Good morning. God bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace. The peace of God that passes all human understanding. I did not invent that. I did not coin that. It was God who commanded Moses. He said, say to Aaron, that in this manner you shall bless the children of Israel. And I've come this morning to declare that word over your life and to bless you with the same words. In the midst of the pandemonium and the commotion and the fear that has pervaded our world in this season of COVID-19 or the coronavirus infection, you will find peace. You will know peace. The peace of God will guard your hearts will keep your home, will keep your family. You will not know pandemonium. Pan is from the word all, and then demonium from the word demon. You will not know pandemonium in your own situation, in your family, in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for yet another day. Thank you that we are together again. Just praising the Lord. Thank you for keeping us. Thank you for the blessings of sleeping and waking up. Thank you for the privilege of coming into the presence of the Lord. Lord, we acknowledge the fact that uh, this is not by power, nor by might, but by your spirit. You are the one that drew us to yourself. For, because nobody can come to the Son unless the Father draws him. Thank you for drawing our hearts. Thank you for drawing us to yourself. We give you praise. Because in your presence there's fullness of joy. And in your right hands are pleasures forevermore. Lord, speak to your people this morning. Take over my faculties and speak through me. Lord, let there be conception. And let there be a bathing of divine purpose in the hearts of your people. For those who are watching in the city of Melbourne, beyond our city, in this nation of Australia, beyond the nation and in the nations, we welcome to the presence of the Lord. And Father, we just give you praise. We worship you. We adore you in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome once again to the live broadcast of the city of Refuge, Melbourne. Fourth, and we shall say it. I want to testify to the glory of God that during this last week, the figures of infection of COVID-19 in our city and in our state has continued to go down very remarkably. In about 6,800 testings that were done in the state of Victoria and also South Australia, we only had one infection. I'll repeat, one infection. Indeed, the curve is flattening, or to put it more accurately, the curve has flattened in our state, in our city, and we give all the praise to the Lord. Indeed, it's a God that answers prayers, and God has been keeping us and watching over us, and we give him all the praise in Jesus' name. And we trust that the curve will continue to flatten until there will not even be one single infection 
in our city, in our state, in our nation. It will be so because we dwell in the secret place of the Most High and therefore we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. Once again, we say the Lord is our refuge. The Lord is our fortress. In him will we trust, and surely he will deliver us. He will deliver you. He will deliver me from the snare of the fowler and from every noisome pestilence. Coronavirus is a noisome pestilence. Coronavirus is a noisome pestilence, and the Lord indeed will deliver every one of us from that plague and from that pandemic in the name of Jesus. He will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you'll find refuge in Jesus' name. We thank God for what the Lord has done thus far. We thank him for what God is doing right now and what he will do in the days to come. Aside from coronavirus, I want to thank God this morning personally uh, because this week will mark our 38th wedding anniversary. Uh, 33 years ago, I met my wife, and we got married on the 21st of April, 1990. And the Lord has kept us since then uh, with fruits, multiple fruits to show for it. Uh, Father, we just want to thank him. And uh, especially in these days when Satan seems to be uh, seems to be uh, let loose, attacking families and attacking marriages. The Lord who kept us will keep yours. And the grace of God, the Bible says, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us to deny all ungodliness and to live soberly and righteousness in this age. That same grace that kept us, that same grace that has been teaching us will also teach you that same grace will preserve your marriage. That marriage will not be aborted in the name of Jesus. Maybe you are not even up to 30 years. God who kept us up to 30 will keep you too in Jesus' name. Or maybe you are just starting. Or maybe you are even over 30 years. In marriage, the Lord will continue to keep yours in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Aside from the flattening of COVID-19 and also from the testimonies that we've just given, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to us very clearly at the end of the message on Sunday that at the end of this season of self-isolation, we will emerge on the other side infinitely better than when we started it. And I've come to remind you of that prophetic word that you will emerge. We will emerge as a church. I will emerge infinitely better at the end of this season than when we started it. Let me say something about the prophetic word. The prophetic word is like a guided missile looking for the believing heart so that it can walk in the believer's life. I'll repeat, the prophetic word is like a guided missile looking for the believing heart so that the word can walk in the believer's life. I'll remind you of the scripture in Luke chapter number 3. The Bible says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, and also and during the reign of Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judah, 
and Herod, the chairman, Tetrarch of Galilee, and also Philip, his brother, the Tetrarch of Ituria, and also Lestenius, the Tetrarch of Abilene, and also during the time of, uh, the, of, of, of Annas and Caiaphas, the high priest, the word of the Lord came to John the Baptist in the wilderness. Oh, that struck me. You know, I've read it a few times, and it's never remained, it's never ceased to, to, to just, uh, the word of the Lord bypassing uh, the, the, the emperor, bypassing the governor, bypassing the, the local government chairman, bypassing even the high priest, to now hook on, to latch on to someone in the wilderness. So it doesn't matter where you are whether you are in the city of Melbourne, whether you are in the nation of Australia, whether you are in the nations, or maybe you are even in the wilderness, or your wilderness, that word of the Lord will find you today in Jesus' name. The word of the Lord will find you. The word of the Lord will cause to come into your life, in your life, what God has ordained for you. You will not miss your own word in the name of Jesus. Prophetic words are always sent to reposition us to prepare us to partake in what God has ordained for us. The prophetic word is like, like I said, a guided missile. It's like a GPS. It's like a path. It's like a highway that you travel on to get to your destination in God. And that word came to us. And I believe the message I'm bringing to you this morning is to reposition you so that you can lay hold. You will not just be a hearer of the word, but you will be a partaker of the word that has been released in Jesus' name. And that is why I'm taking you, therefore, to the church in the wilderness. Somebody said, wait a minute. You're talking about the church in the wilderness? I thought the church started in Acts of Apostles. I thought the church began in the New Testament. I have news for you. Acts 7.38 made that very, very clear. Luke wrote about the church in the wilderness or the congregation in the wilderness. The church did, yes, the church did not just begin in the wilderness, I mean, in the New Testament. That was when you had the outpouring. But it was the time of beginning when God started with his people. And now, right now, I'm taking you to uh, Numbers chapter number 10 where we want to read. Numbers chapter number 10, from verse number 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. And when they blow both of them, all the congregation, can you see the word there? Congregation. Isn't that the word we still use today when we gather together? Same word we still use today, congregation. And you can find it, this is not the New Testament, this is the Old Testament. And here you find God speaking to his servant, to his prophet Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation, the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. When they, when they blow both of them, all the congregation shall gather before you, 
at the door of a tabernacle of meeting. But if they blow only one, then the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel shall gather to you. When you sound the advance, the camp that lie on the east shall then begin their journey. When you sound the advance the second time, the, then the camp that lie on the south side shall begin their journey. They shall sound the call for them to begin their journeys. And when the assembly is to be gathered, you shall blow, but not sound the advance. Verse number 11. Now it came to pass on the 28th day of the second month, in the second year, that the cloud was taken off from above the tabernacle of the testimony. And the children of Israel set out from the wilderness of Sinai on their journeys. Then the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. So they started out for the first time according to the command of the Lord by the hands of Moses. There are some key points here that I want us to note. Number one, Israel had just been delivered from Egypt. Remember how they were delivered by the mighty hand of God after all the plagues and plagues that were released over Egypt to break the power of the gods of Egypt that were holding them bound. And the women sang, I will sing unto the Lord, who has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea. What a time of joy. They left with, 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 with a lot of joy, with a lot of pageantry. They left with a lot of expectation after being in Egypt for 430 years. Now they were in the wilderness. The wilderness of Sinai, about to actually start the journey that God ordained for them. I thought they started, I thought the plan was just to leave Egypt. Let me remind you that God's plan for Egypt, I mean God's plan for Israel was not just for them to depart from Egypt, but for them to enter into his promised land. I'll repeat, he brought them out to bring them in. Again, I'll say this, God brought them out to bring them in. I'm making the emphasis, and you will learn, you see the reason why. Because it's the same thing for us today. God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his own dear son. God delivered us from the bondage of this world from the attacks of this world, from the, from, from the wilderness of this world, God delivered us from that, not to deliver us to the hands of COVID-19 or coronavirus infection. He delivered us from the bondage of Satan, not to now hand us over to the, pan, to, 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 to the pandemic or COVID-19. God delivered us from the world to bring us into his promise. Amen. And part of that promise for us is what I shared with us last week, that we will emerge infinitely better than when this whole issue started. Amen. I'll repeat it. I will declare it. I will shout it. Do you need to receive it? So you need to run with it. You need to start to confess it. That I am imagined. Can you say after me? I am imagined. I am imagined. Infinitely better. Infinitely better. At the end of this issue, at the end of this pandemic, 
caught COVID-19 than when the EU started. I am imagining infinitely better at the end of it than when it all started. Hallelujah. As you've confessed it, as you've declared it, it is your portion. Be it unto you according to your faith in Jesus' name. Where you will not be found wanting. When we start to gather, because this issue will be over, and we start to meet again, we will not look for you. We will not have to, you, we will not look for you. You will be part of those that will be standing strong, delivering their testimony, sharing their testimony that God has been good. That is his divine purpose for you. That is his will for you. That is his plan for you. That is his word for you. And I'm, I'm, I'm bringing that word to you again today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I said, you know, for Israel, his promise was a physical land called Canaan. He brought them out of Egypt to deliver them and bring them into his promised land called Canaan. But for the believer, our promise is not a physical land. Our promise is our destiny in Christ. Amen. Not a physical land. Oh, wherever you may find yourself, that promise, God's promise for you is not just a physical land, not just a physical place. That promise is your destiny in Christ, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, fulfilling that destiny is always a journey. In verse number 11, it said, It came to pass in the second year that the cloud was taken, up from above the tabernacle of the testimony, and the children of Israel set out from the wilderness of Sinai on their journeys. On their journeys. In fact, before then, I think that must be in verse number six and seven. So when you sound the advance the second time, that the camps that lie on the south side shall begin their journey. They shall sound the call for them to begin their journey. Fulfilling destiny involves going on and a journey or what we call process. Amen. What we call process. You will not just fulfill your just destiny just like that. There's a process that you will go through in God. And when you understand that you go through process, be willing to go through your process, don't abort your process because abortion of process is an abortion of destiny. Don't abort your process. Fulfilling destiny involves a journey, and that destination is God. Amen. That destination is his promise. That destination is God. So God will take it on. Look at everyone that God has used. If you look at them, just reading about them in the New Testament, I'll give two examples. Uh, number one, David. The Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter number 13, verse number 22, it says, I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Excuse me, did David do all his will? Somebody might say, oh, how about Uriah, the husband of Bathsheba, that he arranged for him to die in the war? How about that? How come the New Testament is talking about David in that light? Because in Acts 
13, 22, you are reading about David, the end of process. Amen. David, who has gone through. David, who has learned his lessons. David, who is now imagined on the other side. On the other side of God's process, declaring the testimony of God over his life. And not only that, do you know, at the end of that, if you're not looking at the record of God, yes, we may have this in the Bible, that look, look at what David did and the rest of it. But in New Testament, according to Acts 13.22, no record of that. <laughs> Before God, no record. Amen. Because David had repented. And God had what? Relented. And God had what? Put the thing aside and cancel it. No record. How about Abraham? The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And not only that, the Bible talked about Abraham, that, that was of faith, that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be released unto all. How about God? How about the testimony of the scriptures, where the Bible talks about Abraham, Abraham calling the things that be not as though they are. If you read about that, you say, wow. Oh, Abraham was just such a mighty man of Faith. Abraham did not make any mistake at all. But I need to take you again to Genesis chapter 16, Genesis chapter 17, Genesis chapter 18, where, where remember the concubine of Sarah asked him to go into her concubine. And then with that meeting was born Ishmael. Ishmael had become a major problem to their relationship. But Ishmael, God asked him to ask Ishmael to depart from their home. So at the end of the day, so that the promise through Isaac could be delivered to Abraham. Amen. Praise God. How about the mistake of Ishmael? How about all that? Amen. But in Romans chapter 4, you don't find that mentioned. You find it just talking about that Abraham, very powerful man of faith. Abraham believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. In Genesis 16, Genesis 17, Genesis 18, you find Abraham or Abraham going through process. And that is why I said that to say this to you, you know, that you go through your own process. There's no one who will not have to go through their process. Our journeys will be different. The path we we'll take will be different. But each one of us will go through our process. Don't abort your process so that you do not abort your destiny. Amen. Sometimes you may not understand it all. But when you can find him, learn to trust him. Learn to trust him. Knowing fully well that he's faithful. That you may not understand why am I going through this. Why have I had this delay? Why am I going through these challenges? Look at this. Just others seem to be having it easy or easier than me. Let me tell you, maybe in that area, they might be having it easier than you, but they have their own process too that they will go through. Amen. Praise God. Fulfilling destiny involves a journey, and the destination is God. Don't forget that. Hold that very, very closely. Remember that. 
that when you are going through some things, you are going through your process in him. And if you stay with him, if you learn to trust him, when you can find him, you arrive at your destination. All you need is the prophetic word that will continue to guide you. Remember, I said the prophetic word is like a guided missile. Looking for the believing heart to walk in the believer's life. The moment you can latch on to the prophetic word, the moment you can hold on to the prophetic word, that prophetic word will, will become like a GPS to you, will become like a path to you, will become like a highway to you that you will travel on to arrive at destiny. Amen. In addition to that, I must not fail to remind you of this, that obedience is the key to fulfilling the journey of destiny or completing the journey of destiny. Obedience is the key. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. To hacking is better than a fat of rams. Obedience is the key. That is when God brings his word to you. When God gives you his counsel. Oh, you must receive it. You must obey it so that you can arrive at destination. In John chapter 1, the Bible says he came to his own. But his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. He came to his own. The prophetic word came to his own. God spoke to his own, but they did not receive it. I said, that will not be your own lot in Jesus' name. You will receive the word that's gone forth. You will hold on to the word that's gone forth. You continue to declare the word that's gone forth in Jesus' name. When others are saying that they are falling down, you'll be saying you are lifted up. In the name of Jesus Christ. When others are saying, we don't know what will happen, you'll be saying, I'm imagining infinitely better in Jesus' name. When others are saying, we don't know what is happening, oh, look at this COVID-19, look at the effect of it, you will say, the Lord will keep you. You'll continue to remind yourself of Psalm 91. His promise in Psalm 91. The promise that I has given to you already. And you will hold on to it in Jesus' name. The Bible says he came to his own, and his own did not receive it. But as many as received him, oh my God, you will receive it. You will receive that word. As many as received the word, they are given the power to become the word you received. Any word you receive, you are empowered to become that word. <laughs> I'll repeat, I say, any word you receive, you are empowered to, be, to become that word. So in the midst of this pandemic, this COVID-19, this coronavirus, what word are you receiving? The word that's gone forth here should be the word that you are holding on to. What word are you declaring? The word that's gone forth here is the word that you should be declaring. You can't say you've received it and be saying something in your heart must be what is coming out of your mouth in the name of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something, it's also a major form of warfare. It's a major form of warfare. Because this COVID-19 has come bringing so much devastation, so much destruction. It, now God, is, God wants his people to arise and stand against it and continue to declare his word against it so that the thing can be completely dismantled in the nations. Thank God for the testimony that we have in here in the, in the city of Melbourne, in the state of Victoria, in Australia. But 
we need to do the same thing around all the nations. The, church, the church must stand up. The church must arise. We need to arise. Take our stand and push this thing back in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Obedience is the key to fulfilling the journey of destiny. Let me take you again back to the word that I read earlier on from verse number 1. Numbers chapter 10 from verse number 1. Hear God's instruction to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Make two silver trumpets. Don't forget this. This message is to reposition us. To possess the promise. This message is to align us with the prophetic word that God gave us last week. This message is to take us from where we've been and put us where we ought to be in Him. Amen. So it's very important that you listen very attentively to the word that is coming now. Here goes instruction to them. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movements of the camps or the journeys of the camps. When they blew both of them, all the congregation, hear me well, all, not some of them, all the congregation shall gather before you at the door of the tabernacle. Amen. Praise God. For if they blow only one, then the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel shall gather to you. When you sound the advance, the camps that lie in the east side, then shall begin their journey. I said earlier on that obedience is always the key to fulfilling the journey of destiny. Look at God's instruction. God told Moses, make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movements of the camp. The first thing that God spoke to Moses, the first instruction he gave them is this. He said, this is the way you must gather the people. This is the way the people must come together. This is what is called an assembly today, or church today, or congregation today. COVID-19 has come and we've not been able to gather the way we used to. Some of us with hundreds in our congregation or some with thousands in their congregation and others like that, we've not been able to gather together. And it's like, oh, we've missed our gathering. Yes. God gave the instruction to Moses. That's why it's important. The issue of gathering together is non-negotiable. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 10, 25, that we must not neglect as our assembly together. Why? Because there's power in our, in, in our corporate gathering. One will chase a thousand. Two will chase ten thousand. Then how many will five chase? How many will 100 chase? How many will 1,000 chase? How many will 2,000 chase? There's so much power in coming together. It is non-negotiable. It's very, very important. But in this circumstance, I am glad to announce to you that Jesus actually went ahead of this particular moment. 
Because he said in the book of Matthew, he said this. He said, where two or three shall gather together and there in their midst. So even the government saying that there must not be more than two or less than ten, depending on which case or, and the rest of it, Jesus has already spoken about that. He said, where two or three are gathered together. Two, meaning husband and wife. Three, when there's a child. Or even four, when you have more than one child. Jesus said, when you gather together, there am I in the midst of them. I saw something during the week that blessed me so much. And it was a cartoon that somebody sent to me. And in that cartoon, uh, the devil was saying there that, look, I've, I've, I've stopped the gathering of the churches. Now they cannot gather together. Then there was a response also from the, from the Spirit of God that, yes, maybe they couldn't gather together in, 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 in hundreds and the rest of it, but now I have planted church in every hole. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So in a church now, maybe where you have about 120, 130, 150 people that have been unable to gather as one, can you imagine how many churches are gathering within that same place right now? There are churches now gathering. Churches have now been multiplied all over the length and breadth of cities and nations. If God will always be ahead of Satan. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So even though we may not be able to gather in our hundreds or in our thousands, I have news for you. We, can, we are still gathering together as two. We are still gathering together as three. And Jesus said, there am I in the midst of them. Amen. Praise God. In fact, he now said this. He said, again, if I say, again I say to you, if two of you shall agree, oh, that means those two that have gathered, if two of you shall agree as to touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them by my Father in heaven. Praise God. Now you and your husband, I want you to hold your hands. Hold your hands. Amen? Hold your hands to signify agreement in your spirit. Somebody say, I don't have my husband here. You just hold, <laughs> declare a prophet, make a prophetic uh, and hold it. Say, this is, yes, I'm holding the hands. I'm holding the hands, if two of you shall agree, to signify the word, to signify the word that Jesus gave to us, hold on and declare in the name of Jesus that I am imagining, I am imagining, at the end of COVID-19, infinitely better than when we started it. As a family, we are imagining as a family, with our children, we are imagining at the end of COVID-19, infinitely better than when the whole, this whole issue started. Praise God. Hallelujah. Can you say that? When two or three <laughs> should gather together, Jesus said, I'm there in the midst of them. And then the instruction. Another instruction he gave to them, which is actually the centerpiece of this message. I said all that I've been saying to bring us to this place is the core of this message, is the center point of this message. I mean, God spoke to Moses and he said to them, he said in verse 1, I'll read from verse 1 again. 
or maybe from bus number three. But if they blow only one, then the leaders of the heads, the, then the leaders, the heads of the divisions of Israel shall gather to you. When you sound the advance, the first instruction he gave to them was gather the congregation. The second one he said, when you blow the trumpet in this manner, when you sound the advance, then the camps that lie on the east side shall begin their journey. When you sound the advance the second time, then the camps that lie on the south side shall begin their journey. Oh, and what exactly is the second key point? It's called advance. God did not just tell Israel to gather together. He told them to advance. In many churches, in many nations, we've learned about assembly. We've learned to gather. But we're not just meant to gather. We're meant to also advance. I'll repeat myself. Many places, we know how to gather. We tell people, do not come for fellowship. Be in church in the houses or be in church. And it's good. There's nothing wrong with it. But we gather to advance. We just don't gather and then we we'll continue to gather. We just don't gather and then we're not advancing. What does it mean? Somebody's saying, but well, what exactly are you saying about advancing? Just, just, just wait a little bit. We'll get there. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you advancing? Are you gathering together to advance? Remember, Israel left Egypt. And they did not just stop. They, they continued on a journey. At this point, they were in Sinai. And they were to embark on the journey towards fulfillment of prophecy, fulfillment of promise. For them, the journey was to take them into a physical land called Canaan. But for us as the believer, the journey of, of process or the journey of destiny has been designed by God to take us into fulfillment of God's plan for our lives. Are you advancing? How many of God's children are advancing? How many of us are taking our place since in God? I have a question for you. Look at where you are today in your work with him. Are you, were you in the same place last year? Have you made progress? Are you making an advance? Or you have remained at the same place or around the same place? Are you doing a much what is called what soldiers call uh, you know marking time or you know or are you marching forward amen praise god hallelujah god wants you to advance and therefore i want to take you to the new testament remember we started with the church in the wilderness let me now take you to the place where Jesus mentioned the word church for the first time. And I'm going to show you what happened there. An encounter that changed the lives of these disciples forever. Yes, 
At the time of his crucifixion, they denied him. But a seed was sown there that eventually brought forth the fruits. That after his departure from planet Earth, they continued to walk. And as a result of that, we are where we are all today. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And I'll start to read from verse number 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Probably I should say a few things about Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was a place that was renowned for Baal worship. It was the center of Baal worship at that time during the uh, ministry of Jesus Christ. Very powerful, very renowned. And Jesus took his disciples there. You know, reading the scripture further, you find where the Bible now records that he was not letting them know that he will be going to the cross for the last time. But before going to the cross, before embarking on this, he took them to Caesarea Philippi, the center of Baal worship, the center of demon worship. Oh, for an assignment. It wasn't an accident. Amen. I said something last week, and I want to repeat it again here today. Learn to operate. Learn to operate in the spirit of God. Learn to escalate things to the spirit. The reason why a lot of battles are lost in the natural is because they are not won in the spirit. Amen. Authority flows from heaven to earth, not the other way around. Hello? Authority flows from where? Heaven to earth. So Jesus took them to Caesarea Philippi, the center of bar worship, because of what he planned to do there. And he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So some, so they said, some say John the Baptist, others said Elijah, and others Jeremiah, and some who were a bit smart said, okay, well, maybe those who said John the Baptist didn't get it, and those who said Elijah, maybe they missed it, and those who said Jeremiah, but at least let's just try to say one of the prophets. It's called guesswork, <laughs> and there's no guesswork in the spirit. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. So and one of he said uh, one of the prophets. This is very instructive, my dear friends. Maybe I should take you to the book of Luke, chapter nine. Book of Luke, chapter nine. And I want to show you something there. Luke, chapter nine. In verse number 18. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. It happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist. But some say Elijah. And others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. My question to you is this Were they right? Were they right? Of course, he was not John the Baptist. Of course, he was not Elijah. Of course, 
He was not one of the prophets. But you know the tragedy of this situation is this. He was actually asking not people on the streets, but those who he just fed. So if you go for just from verse number 10, you find there, if you have a Bible like mine, you find the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000. And the Bible records just 5,000 men if you add the women to it. Because in those days, women were not reckoned with thank God for Jesus. No wonder women loved Jesus so much. You know, women were not reckoned with. So you don't find the records here in the Bible. Let's, let's look at that. Let, let me read it to you. You find that. Verse 14. For there were about 5,000 men. 5,000 men. How about the women? If you add the women to it, maybe another 5,000. That will make about 10,000. If you add children to it, because most women will go around with their children. And in those days, they normally will have many children. Let's even be conservative and say maybe three per family. So how many children do you think will be there? Maybe another 15,000 children. So if you add 5,000 men plus 5,000 women and 15,000 children, you have how many? Those of us who are good in mathematics, some of my friends might say 15,000 who are not very good in mathematics. But if you are good in mathematics, how many would that give you? That is 25,000. So you can imagine 25,000 who have just gathered. And Jesus asks a simple question or asks them a question, who do men say that I am? And then I mean, ask the disciples the question and look at what they were saying. They've just been fed by him, yet they did not know the one who gave them the food. How many people actually truly have an encounter with Jesus in our churches? How many of us have experienced an encounter Jesus? Remember, we're talking about the advance, the need to advance. How many? Obviously, they were fed, but did not know the one who gave them the food. They received the fish, they received the bread, but did not know the one who provided. They called him John the Baptist. They called him Elijah. They called him Jeremiah. How do you think Jesus, with those answers, what do you think, how do you think Jesus will be feeling at that point? How do you think Jesus feels now when we have so many in our churches who do not really know in. Church is not just a place where we gather together. Church is a place where we come to gather together, not just with one another, but with his spirit. That is a true church, with his spirit. And I'm telling you, I need to say this, the picture of the church is the picture of the city. The reason why, you know, God will, will not hold heads of governments, prime minister, president, responsible for some of the devastation of Satan in their cities, God will hold the church responsible. God will hold the church responsible because the weapons to come against, push back, stand against some of this devastation of the enemy has been given to us. And I want to say also to challenge us 
Thank God for social distancing. Thank God for washing our hands. It's important. They've asked us to do it, and we try to do it. But have you noticed that social distancing and washing of hands and putting on the masks, they are not cures for coronavirus? No. They're just saying they're asking us to do, to prevent widespread infection. The cure for it still lies in God. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pulling down strongholds, casting down imagination, and pulling down, pulling down, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Casting down, imagine the weapons of warfare against COVID-19 is in the name of Jesus. It's in the word of God. It's the power of the spirit. The weapons against coronavirus lies with the church. But unless we are seen in that way, unless we're taking our place, unless we're advancing, we're we we seeing it, we'll not be able to take our place and push these things back. So Jesus now turned to his disciples. He now said, I can understand if these crowds do not have a clear understanding of my person. How about you? Who? How about you? What are you saying? And Peter answered, oh, thank God for Peter. He's missed it at some time, but he got it right this time. <laughs> Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Why did Jesus turn to disciples? Because of this. Listen very well. God builds from inside to the outside. The disciples have been with him. They've spent time with him. They've eaten together. They slept in the same house. They've spent more time with him. And Jesus could excuse the 20,000, the 15,000 crowd that he just fed that got it completely wrong. How about those of you on the inside who has been with me? But thank God, Peter got it right. Peter got it right. The journey of faith is from inside to outside. God builds from inside to outside. Amen. The, uh, the advance, our advancing in God begins on the inside. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. And the ground you are not taking on the inside, even if there is temporary progress on the outside, will eventually be retaken back by Satan. And that is why you need to ensure that in this period of self-isolation, don't spend all the time watching movies. Don't spend all the time just watching television. And I know they've been sending us, oh yes, there's this movie, there's that one, and the rest of it. Don't invest all your time in that. Don't spend all your time, don't waste all your time on movies, on all of that. Invest your time. Start to build yourself on the inside. If you want to emerge on the other side, infinitely better, spend time and build yourself on the inside. Invest on your inside. It's called your spirit man. It's called your spirit man. Your strength does not lie in the natural. Your strength lies in your spirit. 
And the more you build your spirit, man, the stronger you are in the spirit. The stronger you can fight the battles of life. The stronger you can push back the enemy. A strong spirit will overcome, will overcome the challenges of life, the setbacks of life, the problems of life. The Bible says when a spirit is weak, the enemy can easily, can easily put you down, depress you, and the rest of it. Invest time in building your spirit. The advance here for Israel, it was a physical journey, but for us, when we start to advance, it's in our spirit, man. Now, hear the response of Jesus to what Peter said. After Peter spoke, Jesus now said, He said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh. What did Peter say? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Amen. And, and said to him, Jesus now said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Amen. Praise God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Blessed are you. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Can I say this to you? You can write this down. The unequivocal blessings of God you will enjoy is in direct proportion to the revelation of God that you have. I said the unequivocal blessing of God or the blessing of God that you will enjoy in your life is in direct proportion of the revelation that you have. Revelation and blessing are proportional. He said, blessed are you, Simon Bajona. For flesh and blood has not revealed to you. Amen. He said, Simon, you are blessed. Because God, the Father, revealed this to you. Do you want to walk in that blessing? Then you need to lay hold on revelation. The revelation of God regarding your life. The revelation of God regarding his purpose for your life. The revelation of God regarding where you are now. The revelation of God regarding the journey of life that you are embarking upon. What is revelation, my friends? Revelation is God directly revealing himself to your spirit. Revelation is the quickening word being given to you. Revelation is the realm word. Revelation is God, is you having an encounter with the living God. Many people know the written word, but few people have had an encounter with the living God. When revelation comes into your heart, is a sign of encounter with the living word. The revelation of God is God revealing himself directly to your spirit. And now, what is God saying to you? While we are now in this self-isolation. Thank God, he said, we'll emerge infinitely better. But now, in addition to that, what is he saying to you personally? What is he saying to you regarding your business, regarding your family, regarding your children, regarding what is he saying to you? Because God wants to speak to you every day. God enjoys fellowship with you. You know what he said to me? He said to his people, you know, to many of us, his people, prayers is just a means of, of, of getting things from him. What the Lord said to me, he said prayers is a time of 
my having fellowship with my children. A time of just fellowship. That's why prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is having communion with him. Prayer is talking to him and God talking back to you. God wants to talk to you. God wants to talk to you. And this revelation is what will take you to destination. Can I also put it this way? I say revelation is your passport to paradise. Revelation is your passport to paradise. And revelation does not occur on the outside. Revelation occurs on the inside. God meeting with your spirit man. The spirit of God having an encounter with your spirit man. Jesus said to Peter, He said, Blessed are you, Simon Bajuna, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. I want us to also know this. Revelation only comes from the Father through his spirit to our spirit. <laughs> Revelation comes from the Father through his spirit to our spirit. That is why you're spending more time with him who bring his revelation into your heart, into your life. He now said this. He now said, and also I say to you, you are Peter on this rock. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. God, look at something here. He said here, he said, blessed are you, Simon. But after receiving the revelation, he said, now you are Peter. Blessed are you, Simon. But now you are Peter. Something changed. Something changed. He was Simon before receiving the revelation. He became Simon Peter, or Peter, after the revelation. Simon means read, unstable, unreliable, but revelation of Christ changed him. And Jesus now says, something has happened to you, Simon, and you are becoming Peter the rock, Peter the reliable one, Peter the reliable one. Blessed are you, Simon Bajuna. Can I say this also? It wasn't just a change of name. It was also a change of destiny. For Peter, that now you have been positioned fully to fulfill your destiny. You will not be swept away by the winds of life. You will not be swept away by the vicissitudes of life. But now you are becoming the rock that will fulfill its destiny. May you become a rock too in your life. That you will not be swept away by the winds of life. You will not be swept away by the vicissitudes of life. You will not be swept away by COVID-19. You will not be swept away by coronavirus. You will be strong in Jesus' name. He said, but you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church. Can I say something here? On this rock... Uh, Sometimes, in some of the churches, they said, oh, Jesus said here that will build his church on the shoulders of Peter. I don't think that's what he's saying at all here. If you look at it, because no man, you can't put the responsibility of the whole church on the shoulders of any man. Only Christ can carry, only Christ has been ordained to carry the responsibility. So, he said, you are Peter on this rock. The rock there is revelation of Christ the King. That means on the revelation that Peter has just shared, I will build my church. Amen. And this is the first time that the word church was actually mentioned by 
Jesus. The very, very first time. And it says, and the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, shall not prevail against it. Shall not prevail means that weapons may be formed, but they will not be what? They will not prevail. Prevail there means that attempts might be made, but they will not win. So the gates of hell shall not prevail. These are scriptures that continue to give us confidence that in the midst of this infection and this pandemic and this pandemonium, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church in Jesus' name. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But I need to, you know, now to show you something. As I start to, uh, you know, uh, round up this message. He said, Father, I said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Based on what Peter saw, what Peter said, he said, I will build my church and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. You know, in Genesis, in Luke chapter 17, Jesus actually says something there that really, really blessed me. That really blessed me. John 17, I mean Luke 17, from verse number 20 to 21. Luke 17, 20 to 21. Luke, Luke chapter 17, 20 to 21. 20 to 21. Now, when it was asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God will come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Now, will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Don't forget what I said earlier on, that God builds from where? Inside to where? To the outside, that the journey of faith begins from the inside before we experience the victories of faith on the outside. I'll repeat, the journey of faith begins on the inside, the encounter we're having with the Spirit of God on our inside, eventually would determine the experiences on the outside. At this time, the Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, when will the kingdom come? They were asking him, when will he come? When will he appear? And Jesus now answered them. So the kingdom of God does not come with what? Observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. That the kingdom of God does not just occur on the outside, but the kingdom of God is God at work on your inside. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. And there are some lessons here that the kingdom of God is not primarily territorial or geographical. Hello? The kingdom is not primarily what? Territorial and geographical. I know we have interpreted kingdom to be king in his domain. The king in his domain. But Jesus said here, the kingdom of God is within you. So it wasn't referring to a geographical entity primarily or a, terri a territory. Then what exactly is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God if you look at the original word for it, which is Basilia, the kingdom of God is actually the dominion of God, is actually the authority of God, is actually what God is doing on the inside of man. So where you have the kingdom at work, that is 
where you see God at work on the inside. The kingdom represents the influence of God, represents the reign of God, represents the dominion of God taking place on our inside. So the more you are able to build yourself on the inside, the more you align with his will on the inside, the more you are willing to submit to his lordship on your inside, the more you will experience his power on the outside. Because authority is, it takes a man under authority to exercise authority. So when you yield your heart to him, and the more you yield your life to him, the more you are ready to surrender to him, the more you experience his authority. You can't just live your life outside of him and you want to exercise his authority. It doesn't work like that. Remember when Peter said, Bless, when Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bajona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And I will now give you the keys of the kingdom. The keys of the kingdom. Why? Because of what took place on the inside of Peter. Amen. Praise God. Oh, somebody might say, but he denied Christ later on. But thank God, something happened to Peter here. That even after that took place, the Bible says he wept bitterly. And God was able to be restored back. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. There's something I believe that God wants to do on your inside. So that you can start to advance in him. And start to take territories for him. And start to fulfill the destiny that he has for you. If there's no advancing on the inside, if there's no growth on the inside, if there's no work with him on the inside, you'll be highly limited on the outside. The Bible says Satan is the god of this world, is in charge of things. I mean, he rules, exercises dominion over the things in the world. Our strength as a church comes from the world that is living on our inside. The Bible says, greater is he in us than he that is in the world. The one living on our inside is greater than everything on the outside. Greater than corona on the outside. Greater than the problems on the outside. Greater than the issues on the outside. The one living inside, of course, is called the greater one. It's time for us to fully connect to him and work with him and so that you can experience his presence and with his presence will come his power. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. It is time. God has allowed this period of COVID-19 is a time that the church should be advancing on the inside. You might be, oh, but I'm in self-isolation. I don't have anything to do. If you're a child of God, you have a lot to do. Start to build on your inside. Start to walk, start to spend time in his war to develop your spirit man. Start to spend time with him in the spirit. Spend time with him in prayer. Spend time with him in the world. Spend time. Don't just spend all the time on social media. And I'm talking to the younger generation now because they are so good with social media. 
They are on social media. You have the Instagram. You have the uh, Twitter. You have the Facebook. And there's a new one that is out now. It's called The House. And you're spending all the time there. Spending all the time in those ones. Oh, be very, very careful that you don't just spend all the I'm not saying don't go on Twitter. Don't go on social media. Don't go on those ones. Yes, uh, it, it's good to check what they're saying. But don't invest your time there. Don't invest your time there. If you need to advance the way God wants you to advance, you need to spend time with him and spend time in his world and spend time with his spirit so that something can start to take place on your inside. You know what he said to me just before coming up? He said, and was giving me the example of Mary. Remember when the angel Gabriel was sent to Mary and he got to Mary, he said, rejoice. Highly favored one. Rejoice, highly favored one. And the Bible says Mary was like wondering what exactly. She was troubled by the greetings. She was concerned by the greetings. She couldn't understand where is this coming from. I'm sure she must have been thinking. And, and then, uh, you know, the angel now further said to her, he said, you will bring forth. He said, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. The power of the Messiah will overshadow you. And you bring forth a child. You bring forth a child. And the Lord said to me, he said, I send my word to birth purposes in the lives of my people. Now when my word is sent, when they receive the word, that word will start to give birth to purposes, give birth to my plans, give birth to my ways, give birth to my, give birth to it, give birth to it. And I said, wow, I've never seen it like that. He said, that is what happens when people send, spend time with me in my word and in my spirit. Because that word will give birth to my purposes and to my plan and to my will for their lives. And therefore, I believe with all my heart that the word you have heard this morning or the word you have heard today has been sent to you by God to cause a conception and a giving birth of, of it to his purpose, to his plan for your life, so that you can start to see things you have not seen before, so that you not be weighed down by the fear that is consuming our world today. So instead of fear, your own heart will be filled with faith, and instead of the pandemonium, you find the peace of God that passes all human understanding. Oh, as you receive the word, knowing fully well that God has spoken to us, that you will emerge infinitely better at the end of it than when the entire thing started, that you will emerge at the end infinitely better when you receive the word. Receive the word right now. I say, this is my word. Spend time with me so that there can be a growth and advance in your spirit, man, so that you can start to lay hold on the destiny that he has for you. Spend time with him so that you can receive the assurance from him in his word to create in the path that you need to travel on in the journey of destiny. It is time. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for your word to us today. Thank you so much for your emphasis on the fact that it's time for your people to start to advance. Advance 
in the spirit. Advance. Build themselves up. Build their capacity in the spirit. Build their strength in the spirit. And not just concentrate on the outside. Because when we concentrate on the outside, we see a lot of distraction. The enemy wants to distract. But when we escalate it to the inside, the enemy, is, the enemy cannot handle that. The enemy cannot handle that. We take it to the place where we can easily defeat it. We take it to the place where we can start to exercise authority coming from you over our natural, physical circumstances. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, let this word remain. Let this word abide, that none will be a forgetful hearer. That even after this message, must have, must, after we must have finished it, they will still go back and listen again, and listen again, and listen again. And in the name of Jesus Christ, that this word will now start to create something new. You told me that today something fresh, something there will be a conception, there will be a birthing in as many hearts as will receive this word. Lord, I pray for your people. I pray right now in Jesus' name. I pray for homes. I pray for businesses. I speak peace over them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray over you right now. I say all of you hearing me in Jesus name your home will be strong your family will be strong in the corona will not devastate your family in the name of Jesus your businesses will be strong in Jesus thing you will emerge families will emerge individuals will emerge businesses will emerge infinitely better at the end of coronavirus than when we started it that is your Lord that is your portion in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ Thank you once again uh, for joining us today for the live broadcast. I will see you next Sunday by the grace of God. Mm -hmm.